Ngo Falawa, this is Pacific Waves from RNZ Pacific. Coming up. You have to physically get out there, you have to get dirty, and you have to exercise muscles to do it. Australia wraps up its largest multinational military exercise to counter China's threats. Also, the PNG government wants to see literacy levels improve. And later, the Pacific Oceania women's tennis team scores double success. Over the last two weeks, Australia hosted its largest multinational military exercise. Between 30,000 and 35,000 personnel from 13 nations participated in Operation Talisman Sabre, which concluded last Friday, 4th of August. US and Australian officials say part of the exercise is preparing their forces against the threats of aggression from the People's Republic of China. Fina Funua has more. Somewhere in the harsh tranquility of the Australian bush, a unit of Tongan soldiers have spotted an enemy force. Their commander calls out a manoeuvre and a fierce battle ensues. It's one mock battle in Operation Talisman Sabre, which aims to own the fighting capabilities of these soldiers. According to the Australian Army, they've been training this Tongan unit how to seek and destroy enemy tanks. Tonga, along with Fiji and Papua New Guinea, are the only Pacific countries among the 13 nations participating in the exercise. The United States Armed Forces, the world's most powerful military, is the primary participant along with the Australian Defence Force. According to United States Army Pacific Chief of Staff Brigadier General James Bartholomew's joint multinational military exercises are vital to the abilities of allied nations to respond militarily. It takes practice. The only way uh, to use a, a basic athletic term, you don't just go on the field and play football. You don't just, you don't, you, you, you don't just talk about it or look at a PowerPoint and say do it. You have to physically get out there, you have to get dirty, and you have to exercise muscles to do it. We learn through reps and sets we do this. And oh, by the way, that's how our adversary is doing it right now. We're studying how, how the pacing challenge of the PLA is, is, they are rehearsing as well. And so we have to consider this. The acronym PLA, as mentioned by Brigadier General Bartholomew's, stands for People's Liberation Army, the military of China, which boasts over 2 million personnel the largest in the world. For the U.S. and Australia, the Operation Talisman Shield exercise is a key show of force against the PLA, who Bartholomew says has increased its presence in the South China Sea and which presents an ever-present danger of invading Taiwan. During the two-week exercise, U.S. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin visited Australia, where he met with Australia's Prime Minister Anthony Albanese to discuss closer military cooperation. Austin told media China was intimidating its allies and posed a threat to regional security. Both of our countries are concerned about attempts by the People's Republic of China to depart from these principles. We'll continue to support our allies and partners as they defend themselves from bullying behavior. That's the sound of anti-ship missiles being fired by Japanese units participating in the exercise. 
Last year, Japan announced it was spending $320 billion on upgrading its military, which includes purchasing long range missiles that could reach mainland China. It's infuriated the PRC and North Korea, who accused Japan of reviving its imperial past. The PRC is also irritated by recent military agreements from Australia and the United States, which includes a recent defense agreement with Papua New Guinea and a U.S. pledge to provide nuclear powered submarines along with guided missile building capabilities by 2025. But there have been moves towards establishing peace and stabilizing relations. Last week, Australia Foreign Minister Penny Wong announced the lifting of barley sanctions against China, and Prime Minister Anthony Albanese hinted in Parliament that a meeting could occur between him and Xi Jinping ahead of the G20 meeting next month. It is in Australia's interest to have a stable bilateral relationship. With China. And we made it very clear that we're open to dialogue.、Uh, I met with、uh, Xi Jinping in November、uh, last year, and I'm sure、uh, that we will potentially meet again、uh, on the sidelines of the G20 meeting that will be coming up. The G20 meeting takes place in New Delhi on September 9th with Anthony Albanese, Xi Jinping, US President Joe Biden. And Russia's President Vladimir Putin expected to attend. The government of Papua New Guinea wants to improve literacy levels in the country. Currently, literacy levels in PNG are put at 63.4%, and the government wants to get this figure up to 70%. Scott Whitey, our PNG correspondent, told Don Wiseman that achieving this modest target isn't going to be easy. That percentage increase that they're talking about represents a,、uh, a lot of determining factors, and they determine whether education and schools and materials actually get delivered to a village or a community or, or a province. Over the last 12 years, the National Economic Fiscal Commission has been talking about. The amount of money it takes to deliver services to provinces outside of the National Capital District. Now, they've come up with interesting stats that they're talking about instead of a budget breakup, the factors that should go into that budget breakup and the allocations of the money、uh, should include the amount of money it costs. To actually deliver the services. So, for example, a school in, say, for example, the National Capital District will cost less compared to a school in Manus, where a, a large portion of the education budget is taken up by transportation costs and fuel and other costs related to that. Service delivery. So it's a relatively, to me, it's a relatively modest increase, 63.4% to 70%, but it, it represents all those factors put together. Yes, well, the government, previous government, introduced fee free education. Has that had any impact? It has had impacts on various fronts, and one of them, one of the most notable, has been the increase in the number of students attending school. So elementary 
class sizes have increased significantly. Like instead of previously when we had 30 to 35 students, classes have grown to 50 students. And parents have actually demanded that their children be put in class because the government has said that education is free and the government will pay for the, pay for the school fees. In Medang, for example, where I lived, Previously, the Tuspub Secondary School, that, that's just one example, Tuspub Secondary, which is in the heart of Medang, had class sizes averaging between 50 and 60 students. Many of them didn't have desks. That's one of the impact of tuition fee-free education. It's a noble concept, giving education to more, more and more kids, but is that it, it puts an enormous amount of burden on, on the teachers who struggle with minimal resources. Yes, they didn't increase the number of teachers or the number of classrooms. They just said, well, here's this rule change and a lot more people can go to school now. They needed to do a whole lot more work. Yes, it's a political rhetoric and political priorities versus reality on the ground. And that's always been the case going back when the former Prime Minister Pius Winkti uh, announced free education, which which actually got him elected, his government elected. And, and that's been repeated at every election. And the, the same thing keeps playing out. We were f- tracking the number of schools that had actually received money from the tuition fee-free uh, education policy. And a lot of them didn't actually receive the money. And that's also the other side of the problem. You've got budget allocations, but the actual budget reaching the schools doesn't actually happen. Now, Papua New Guinea is a a country of 800 plus languages. So when we talk about literacy, what language are people becoming proficient in? So this is English language proficiency. So they're talking about literacy, literacy in school going to going to a school and learning to speak in English. The Constitution of New Guinea also allows for literacy, and it states very clearly the definition of literacy in the Papua New Guinean Constitution is to be literate in English, Tokpisin, Motu, and your own vernacular. So it, it defines literacy in that manner. But for this one, the government's talking about literacy in English. The Pacific Oceania women's tennis team has been promoted after successfully navigating through their tournaments in Asia. The team was seeded 12th of 12 teams and overcame sides such as Chinese Taipei and Indonesia, consisting of more experienced and higher-ranked players. In their final match, they defeated Indonesia 2-0 in Kuala Lumpur to gain promotion to World Group 1 in 2024. Pacific Oceania captain William O'Connell, who's based in the U.S., spoke to Craig Stephen. Yeah, we um, it was um, hard to understand how we got the 12 seeding, especially given we um, we'd beaten Singapore and Malaysia in last year's competition, and they were they were seeded ahead of us. But we started at 12 and and knew we'd be dangerous, and we were we competed pretty well and. A couple things went our way, and we we did really well to defy our our twelfth place seeding. Um, I guess that's possibly an understatement because you were you were undefeated winning six games, so that was obviously a fantastic form through the week. Yeah, the girls were tough. It started off really rough where we played the two best teams in our pool back to back, and the girls played some extremely gritty tennis. Uh, their response to adversity was incredible. Yeah, we had the ball bounce our way a couple times, but once we'd gone through the 
Hong Kong and Chinese Taipei ties, it was up to us to, um, it would be hard to not make it to the qualifying rounds. Yeah, we, we knew pretty early on that we were we were in a good spot. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I believe that one of those wins was against Chinese Taipei, who were the top-seeded one, and um, they had some higher, well, much higher-ranked players than you had. So that was uh, quite an achievement. Chinese Taipei had um, had a multiple Grand Slam champion on their team, and they, they had a former world number one doubles player and a former world number five doubles player on their team. And yeah, we we played some tough tennis, and we were able to get by them on day two. And uh, I think your final match and your qualify the match that took you into the next round was against Indonesia who were also a good side and I imagine that was a tough tie it, it was um, I think um, what helped us into that was we'd done our dirty work early in in the pool play and uh, Indonesia they had their three toughest matches right at the end so we, um, we were going into that promotional match feeling a lot better than what we thought they might be feeling and uh we try to make the beginning the the match physical and and apply some scoreboard pressure and we we were okay i imagine that uh, you must have a bit of a challenge sort of um preparing for tunes because i mean you're based in uh, was it california in raleigh north carolina all right and uh, so you're based in the states and um, the players are based in from around the Pacific, so you've got some challenges there. Yeah, it is. It is tricky, but uh, you know, w- once I found out I was Billy Jinking Cup captain, and we figured out our team, uh, we we got on a group chat, and we did a lot of talking prior to the event, and and did some online team building exercises, and I made the offer to all the girls and uh that were on my end of the world to to come and train at our place one one of them took me up on that offer so even though we are we are separated by big distances uh, i think we did a good job of um team building before we before we got to the event yeah yeah all right okay well thanks very much for that william that's been great awesome yeah thank you craig in the men's Davis Cup was also promoted from their group while competing in Colombo, Sri Lanka. That's Pacific Waves for today. Don't forget you can listen back on rnzi.com slash programs. We're also on Apple, Spotify and iHeartRadio podcasts. From myself and the team here at RNZ Pacific, so far so far.